Hello, and welcome to Movement, the Science of the Self. I'm your host, Ergi Pongo, and my calling is to explore movement and identity as they relate to body image and self-image. On this podcast, we share transformational stories from people in the field of movement science. We have conversations about healing and strengthening. Plus, we connect with people who have unique relationships with their bodies. If you're interested in discovering how movement science can impact your relationship with your body, we invite you to book a free consultation with Pongo Power Personal Training. Pongo Power will provide you with a complimentary movement analysis and goal setting session through understanding how our bodies move, our lives are transformed. Hello and welcome to Movement, the Science of the Self. And I am very excited to welcome our guest today, Deborah Smith. Deborah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm grateful to be here. So, Deborah, you and I, we've known each other for a few years now. We've been in each other's orbits in this universe. And when we originally started to speak about movement, the science of the self, and joined in this conversation together, I was very much touched by some of the stories that you shared with me about your transformation in the world and the life that you live. So let's just get right into it. All right, shall we? Yeah, let's dive in. I love it. Uh, So basically the premise is that through movement, we liberate our bodies and it's this intersection between our identity self-image and body image that we are navigating in our lives, you know, as women, especially. So what was one of your earliest memories of your own sense of identity? And especially through the lens of movement, self-image and body image. Yeah. So I started thinking about this a little bit more after you shared the topic with me. Um, You know, going back to when I was a very young person, I had an exorbitant abundance of energy as a child, unmanageable, almost kind of like frenetic, crazy, you know, spinning out of control levels of energy. And that sometimes was, you know, punishable, right? Because I would get in trouble for being such a big, like boisterous child. Um, And I even remember like a very early memory of being at like a family wedding in the neighborhood or something. And I was probably five or six and I was on the dance floor spinning around in a circle like a wild maniac, like a whirling dervish. And my mom got really embarrassed because I was just so like um, big energy and kind of like, you know, it was someone else's wedding and I was her kid and I was, and I got scolded for for dancing too much. And I will never forget that because I remember thinking, but I'm, I'm like crushing it right now on this dance floor. <laughs> and I was so little and, and, and to be told, you know, I mean, not to get into that too much, but I think as in terms of identity, um, movement has always been a part of my expression, even since I was very young. It was a way to put energy into practice, right? To um, take all this, you know, abundance of energy and and do something with it. It would be to move. Um, and I didn't have an identity around it until 
um, thankfully, my mother wisely enrolled me in dance lessons. So then I had a place to focus all the energy. You know, she could cart me off to dance lessons a couple times a week and I would, I would, it would tire me out. It's like running your dog in the yard. <laughs> um, but also I was learning to dance and how to use my muscles and my, and my movement. And so I very much identified as, as a young person, um, as a dancer. Yeah. And that has absolutely shaped and formed everything else that I've done throughout the course of my life. What type of dance classes were you taking? When I was very young, you know, the standard, you take a year of ballet to see if you're going to be that kind of person or, and I also, you know, beginner tap dance. And I, I was like a stocky, short, stocky child. So I was not, ballet was not my track um, <laughs> at all, but it turns out stomping around worked really well for me. So I became a tap dancer. Wow. Tap dance. Tap dance seems like a complete anomaly to me. The, the rhythms are so complex. And were you able to embrace that? Like I would, I don't know what would happen if I tried to learn how to tap. Yeah. I mean, we studied, I did, you know, very basic lessons for my entire youth. I wound up, um, I, you know, I was enrolled in and practicing team dance and choreography all the way through graduating high school. So I was really actively involved in like competitive touring tap dance groups where we would go to like state fairs and, you know, get up on the county fair stage and try to win the ribbon, like that kind of thing. We did that, you know, all summer long, all fall. Um, and I wound up being in a routine with these girls. There was like six or seven of us that danced together for years and years. So once we gelled as a really, as a good, um, a well-oiled team, my our, our teacher would just bring us more and more advanced choreography. So we were getting really like high level. She would come down to New York City once a year and study and take master classes with all the like really big, wig, great tap dance teachers. And then she would bring us back very complex, um, like new routines and stuff. And so we were like, you know, the reason we were winning the state fairs and stuff was because we had this aggressive teacher who just kept pushing new stuff on us. But um, amazing. I email her like at least once a year and I'm like, thank you so much for teaching me to dance. <laughs> and so how did that metamorphosize when you went away to college and you were away from home for the first time in your life? Uh, or I would imagine, um, you know, for a sustained period of time, um, what, what then, how then did movement take on a role in your life? Well, I think it helped me to find a place where I could fit in kind of, um, you know, I was not, I was very young. I went to college at age 17 and I was just emotionally not that mature. Didn't really know what I wanted to be doing was not like, you know, some kids were like, I'm going to be this or that. And we're on track to learn the things that they needed to learn to then do that. Yeah. And I was like, I just, all I know how to do is tap dance. <laughs> That's all I care about anyways. But it did help me to, in terms of identity and self, you know, body image, movement through dancing was kind of the one place where I knew I had something to bring to the table. Like I could always dance. Uh -huh. And I very quickly sought out any place within my college that I could continue practicing, but there was no tap dance. It was, there wasn't really like a perfect fit. So I wound up that's, I, you know, that led me to, um, participating in theater, um, which I wound up actually getting a degree in. And I studied theater all through college. I think mostly driven by the um, the desire to, you know, because there's a lot of like movement and flow in the storytelling and stage performances. So I was, you know, I was driven to participate in 
the choreography and the movement. I wound up doing a lot of behind the scenes, like directing of shows and things like that. Yeah. It was like a natural evolution for me to, uh, to participate in that type of performance. But, um, you know, obviously it wasn't actually dance. And I did, you know, I wound up, I did take classes, but I didn't continue studying. Um, tap dance didn't exist at college. So, <laughs> or at least, you know, the, the type that I was into. I did study African dance and I also do still take classes to this day in New York City. I take Afro-Cuban, Afro-Brazilian and forms of dance that have that kind of big, bold movement that have rhythm underlying that's, you know, kind of feels like it's in my blood. And it definitely brings me to a place of self-identity. Like I, I know myself in that way. Mm. Yeah. I, when I work out after I exercise, that's when I feel connected to my body the most. And I don't feel as though I'm just a thinking being in the world, but rather a physical living creature. And it sounds like dance has really been that vehicle for you. It's so interesting to me because I know you as this incredible artist, singer, songwriter, and also business coach. You and I work together on launching online businesses. And so I, I did not know about your dance background until we began this conversation about movement. Yeah. And I mean, technically I reached my, you know, my apex of dance career when I was like 16 or 15. So, you know, now I, it's, it's how I enjoy, it's how I most enjoy being in a body is moving yeah. with music. Like it's my favorite form of movement by a landslide. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I, it's interesting. I, we talked a little bit about this. I um, pursued becoming a holistic nutrition coach uh, in my late twenties because while I had, you know, a lot of relationship with my body in terms of movement and being able to dance. Like if I would go to a concert or if I was just at a club, you know, and music was playing, I'm very comfortable jumping on the dance floor and executing, you know, you know, confidently dance moves of any kind. Like I can just freely dance, but I was very disconnected from a lot of other parts of my body. Um, and I think, you know, I, I'm sort of piecing it together, talking to you about it, but um, I just, having not ever been taught anything about nutrition, I had a pretty poor diet. And so I was physically healthy, technically, but I was eating terrible. Like I was just eating nutrition, you know, bland and not nutritionally rich food. And that started to take a toll on my health. You know, as I became like in my late twenties, I, I started to realize like, you know, everything from just being overweight, um, having irritable skin conditions, you know, discomfort, lack, lack of flexibility, starting to feel like rigidity in my body in a certain way. And I, I realized that I didn't know enough about my health through the lens of nutrition. So I actually went back to school to get a degree in holistic nutrition and health coaching uh, in 2005. Mm. And that sort of took me on a different course, which leads me to kind of where I am today professionally. But in that course of action, um, I did open, you know, a physical service-based business, which was a juice bar, which led me to learning, you know, the, the hard knocks of business ownership. Um, yeah, and after years and years of running a successful business and an online business and, you know, getting me degrees in marketing, branding, all this other stuff, I now do coach other business owners in the wellness space. 
um, because I have a tremendous amount of experience in how to reach your ideal client and really be effective in helping serve people. So in addition to acting as a health and nutrition coach for my clients, I also do coach other business owners. Um, Tell me a little bit about the juice bar. Yeah. So my, my, I had met a girl in school learning about holistic health coaching. Um, and she and I both realized that in order to have an impact on a large number of people, we would need a touch point, like just something tactile. Mm-hmm. And neither one of us was really interested in one-on-one coaching at the time. Like I was kind of, it's funny, the young health coach in me, I would get so irritated if people wouldn't like do their work. I'd be like, well, no wonder you're, you know, have high blood sugar because you won't do the assignment. Like I would just get annoyed with people. <laughs> now I have a much, <laughs> I have a much, you know, much, I have a much gentler, gentler approach, but um, I was just, I saw that we could reach a lot more people if we had a platform of some sort. So we bought an old U.S. postal truck and we converted it into New York City's first ever rolling juice bar. Oh, wow. And it was pretty wild. The first, you know, couple of years were just like, a lot of street fighting with Mr. Softy and a lot of um, just really crazy elements of doing business that we never, ever, ever anticipated. Um, but eventually we did, you know, get ourselves up and running and we had a really successful business as a food truck and also a catering company. We did a lot of on-site pop-up, um, fresh juice and smoothies and just plant-based meal plans for people. And I've coached a lot of cleanse groups. And I've had a lot of one-on-one clients over the years who have helped um, address health issues through diet. And yeah, and the juice bar was a wild ride. It was mobile, literally. So um, um, that translated into a couple of different pop-up locations in the city. And for a very long time, I was, you know, working rugged hours as a, as a busy entrepreneur um, running a juice bar. What was it like in that truck? What was how did what was the uh, the company ethos in terms of working together in such a small space in a truck? Yeah, I mean, luckily Lisa, who is my partner, was brilliant at interior space design. Like she really was the person who figured out where everything would go so that it was like within reach. Like she actually, I don't know how she did this. She is a professional masseuse as well, and body mechanics was part of her, you know, zone of expertise, but she figured out like how to place everything that was needed to be immediately within reach in a way so that you would never strain a muscle or like throw out your back or, and we had a system of rotation in the truck so that, you know, like if you were, one person has to be constantly peeling and prepping and chopping fresh produce because we did everything fresh. Another person is constantly running the juicer. Another person is taking the money and dealing with customers and any one of those roles at the volume that we were serving people like lines and lines at food truck rallies and whatnot you could burn out really quickly on that task because you would just do that same task over and over. So if you're chopping apples for, you know, 45 minutes, like you could get carpal tunnel syndrome. You know what I mean? You could really hurt your wrist. So we would rotate and, you know, we had, we had some really, it actually interestingly is very much was like a flow of a dance inside that truck. Like at any given, you know, moment in time, there could be like, you know, we had a language, a code language, um, of, so that we weren't constantly over talking each other and we weren't like burning our voices out. Cause if you worked, you know, seven hours out on the street and you're rotating through all these different jobs, you're communicating constantly to keep things moving. Um, it, it was, it's, it's kind of like, I'm thinking of like a basketball team right now, how they like flow as a, as a choreographed unit. It's kind of like that, but inside a very small space. So a lot of like, you know, behind your back, I got the thing, I, like a lot of verbal communication and a lot of having to like, get comfortable bumping up against each other and like hip checking each other and like, you know, <laughs> doing what we could to have that be fluid and not 
blocky and choppy and uncomfortable and um, very close uh, company. Those that staff and and myself, we became really good friends. Um, <laughs> yeah. I actually, it's funny because I met you at the juice truck. The very first, first time we met. Yeah. Do you remember you came to, we were at Grand Army Plaza and it was a Saturday morning and you came with Darren and a couple of other oh. friends to the juice truck. That's the day that I met you. Darren, I, I remember he was like, my friend works at this juice truck. Let's yeah. go check it out. I I remember, I didn't know that was the very first time that we met. I think so. Amazing. So uh, yeah, it was a beautiful um, expression of health, wellness and service. But it was also um, one step along the path, right? Because there's so much more that we can do. And I, I feel like nothing but gratitude and and happy, you know, that we accomplished that amazing goal. But also now that it's closed and we sold the truck. And so we sold the truck in 2018 and I've been closed. That aspect of the service business has been closed for almost going on two years, <laughs> largely due to, I mean, we would have reopened if we didn't have a global pandemic. But it, to me, I, I, I just you know, we do have a global pandemic and we do have major health crisis on our hands. And so taking a step back um, and kind of looking at the trajectory of all that I've accomplished and what I can do next, I saw that as an opportunity to take a very deep breath, kind of let the chapter of the actual juice truck and all of the catering and the physical service-based business, let that gracefully close and then take what knowledge I gained from that experience and bring that on a larger scale to other people. And at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I actually got quite a lot of phone calls from, from friends of ours saying like, I don't know, I don't know what to eat and I don't know how to cook. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it was kind of surprising to me because I do know how to cook. So if you know <laughs> how easy it is, or, like I think it's really easy, but it's because I've been doing it for so long. And at some point I didn't know how. And I had to learn it. And I actually went back to school to learn the nutrition piece of it so that I knew that what I was cooking was good for me. And then learning to cook, it took me many years to, of trial and error to figure out how to cook healthy. So, you know, I was like, oh, actually, it, this isn't like an overnight thing. Like I actually, you know, I, I worked hard to get to the point where I'm saving time and money and like making these delicious meals. So um, there's a level of mastery. I mean, when I think about exercise, the simplest movements that I perform in order to activate my deep intrinsic stabilization muscle fiber, that is part of my body now. I learned it by doing it. But if no one has taught you about the, the basic fundamental principles of any practice in our lives, then you just don't know where to begin. And I mean, speaking from my own experience, food prep in and of itself you know, I can, I can churn out a very healthy meal. However, I, I, at the beginning of the pandemic found myself struggling with churning out three meals a day, seven days a week. Right. And we went, we went from like easy access to takeout. If you live in New York city or even like almost anywhere in the world, you can easily get food delivered or go to a restaurant, you know, a couple times a week and give yourself a break. But when you're cooking three meals a day, and if you have any other people in your family? I mean, I heard every single version. It was like, I live alone, so I can't do meal prep and figure out how to cook this much. I live with a family of five and I can't keep enough food on the table. This is crazy. Like I've never had to, people were like, I'm running my dishwasher three times a day. Like, I don't know how to keep up with this level of food preparation and service. And I, I you know, 
because I ran a very busy food-based business, I have a ton of time-saving techniques and things that like, you know, we never, ever waste a scrap of food in my household. Doug makes fun of me because, you know, like I never throw anything out. I'm like, well, that could be turned into tomorrow. You know, I can turn anything into something that looks like it's brand new. (laughs) I save so much food. I'm like, you know, everything is eventually like, you know, gets turned into something. And then, and then if it can't possibly, then it becomes compost. So, so Uh, let's back up a minute to 2005. So Tell me a little bit more about the foundational um, education that you received at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Uh, So that was the foundation of your nutrition and wellness coaching? Yeah. So they they are a school that offers um, a degree in what's called holistic health coaching, where they teach you extensive, detailed knowledge about every dietary theory that exists. And they train their coaches to work with the individual because as we know, there's no one size fits all diet. There's no health regimen or food and nutrition regimen or, or any combination of kind of prescribed, you know, fad, trends, diets. They don't, there's no one size fits all. There's no right way to do food and health. It's it's highly individualized. And so, you know, they were a little bit radical because they really trained us to to sort of balk the trend and not ever, you know, try to market ourselves as having a solution for anyone, but rather to learn these really tried and true coaching methods so that you know how to help support a person in whatever their unique goal is. And so there's a discovery phase where you you have that person, not only do you get to know the, the person you're coaching, but you have them get to know themselves. And there's a there's a sort of a you know, like an introductory process with every client where you're, you know, there's some standard basic things that we know about our health. Like we know that we should be reducing processed sugar and, and flour and, you know, maybe like for certain people they can't process dairy or you know, everyone has very different things, but there's some basic, basic universal truths, which is that we should all be eating more plants. You know, fruits and vegetables and legumes and nuts and seeds are really high in, they're very nutrient-rich foods and we know, you know, certain foods leave an acid residue in the digestive system. So we know, you know, an exorbitant amount of, you know, too much of anything, right, is is never good. But there's some general truths, but the truth is that there's no one right thing for every person. So at IIN, Inter- uh, um, Institute for Integrated Nutrition, they, they coach you to learn every single possible dietary theory, like everything. So, um, so that you can have access to lots of different possible pathways for a person to walk. And then you help them figure out what their goal is um, and how to best reach it and coach them through and hold them accountable for taking those actions that are necessary to reach their goal. So, I mean, I've had clients who wanted to gain weight, lose weight, you know, had needed to lower their cholesterol, needed to address targeted, very specific health issues through diet and nutrition. And a lot of it begins in our digestive wellness. And so, just even understanding the basics of acid alkaline, you know, digestion and just knowing some very basic things, which most of us don't think about when we eat food. Um, and just kind of switching the mindset of the, of the, of the client too, is kind of like, you know, thinking about food in terms of fuel for your body and optimally fueling your muscles and your long bones and your tissues that are, are your, are you right? Your organs, like we exist on a cellular level. And so we're constantly building and renegotiating 
every single day we are shedding cells and growing new ones. And so we, we fuel those cells at a you know, really base level by what we intake, whether that's, you know, it's everything from food and nutrition to like the air we breathe, you know, exposure to environmental toxins and energy thoughts that we have that go through our mind. And movement is actually a big piece of my health coaching process. I, every person that I work with, I ask them to choose their favorite movement that they're going to commit to incorporating into their health regimen and then make 30 minutes every single day to interact with that in that movement form of some Mm. kind. Mm. So they're always constantly checking in physically with their body. And it could be as simple as just going for a walk um, or dancing, swimming, you know, whatever it is, during that time, I want these people to be thinking about their physical existence in the world and how well, it's I, evolving. I think that in our present society with computers and the ability to exchange information so freely, what this has led to is a very thinky, thinky culture. And the more that we can relish the gift of being inside of a human body and experiencing what there is to experience through our senses, the, the greater we can, you know, build joy and a joyous existence. However, I think that most people don't realize they have a choice, that each moment is a choice. I think especially during this pandemic, we're all in survival mode. And so when we do find something that brings us joy, then it's important to remember that feeling and identify with the feeling of joy as opposed to identifying with the struggle that we go through every day. It, it really sounds to me like you, you, you take great pride in that joy through movement, through uh, nutrition, through dance. Um, when we were chatting the other day, I had asked you, uh, what's your life like now in relation to movement? And you mentioned that you and Doug have a practice, which. Right. Well, it's not even something that we've like ever said, like, hey, we do this. It's just, it just gets done. It actually started with him. It's I, while I am the trained dancer in the family, um, we have, we have these daily spontaneous um creative dance performance moments where like one or the other of us, he did start it actually. We'll just start, you know, doing this like really wacky series of movements, like, you know, like awkward Elaine from, uh, Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Yeah. Like just jerky kind of like, you know, ah, ah, like we'll just start (laughs) doing something really kind of spastic and random. And then be like, you know, that's my, I'm going to go make some toast dance. (laughs) <laughs> and, and like there's always like every no matter the most mundane activity that we kind of have to do like making the bed or you know like cleaning the toilet we'll be like <laughs> ah, like jump he'll like leap across the room and be like that was my I'm gonna go make the bed dance and we just we just like are constantly um trying to like one-up each other's like mini you know like 30 second long choreographing <laughs> a dance routine <laughs> around like some mod- mundane daily task um, oh my gosh, I love it's it. Just, we make each other laugh and it's 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 really it is really it is really joyful because he typically cracks me up because he he always catches me off guard. Like I never expect him to like jump up and start doing a pirouette and then be like, <laughs> "Oh, I'm just 
you know, I've got a meeting at 9 a.m. So I thought I would do my 9 a.m. meeting dance. And, and <laughs> really cute. So, so how does this all play out in this present moment? Like, what are you up to now? Like, what's January looking like for you as a business coach, a health coach? What's going on in your world? What's coming up? I guess I should say. Yeah, thank you for asking. I, you know, I spent a lot of this past year um, trying to figure out how I could be most useful to other people. I'm really like, I feel like I've had a blessed life. I've, I've overcome a lot of, you know, most of the stuff that I struggled with thus far in my life has mostly been in my young life. And the last decade has been pretty smooth sailing for me in terms of like knowing myself, knowing how I can show up in the world and be effective and having that be, you know, an abundant exchange with my community. Um, but, you know, closing a business is always very challenging. And so I, that was rocky for a minute. And I wasn't quite sure how I was going to resurface and, you know, how I would be best of service to my community. Um, and so I am actually reopening my doors to my health coaching program with a decade plus, you know, more experience and knowledge. I have a new course that I am going to be teaching in. It launches in the end of January. It's called The Art and Science of the Healthy Bowl. Mm. And the idea is to teach people really like the science, right? The basic nutrition, macrobiotics, like what you're putting into your body, where does it have an impact? What does it mean? You know, what foods have magnesium and why do you need that? You know, that real, but real basic, like digestible. Chocolate. Pun, in, pun intended. Um, <laughs> but uh, not only that basics, but like the mindset of why it's important that what you put in is what you get out and, and, and what you have access to. Because, I mean, the science is there to prove and support that we can be our healthiest in our 50s and our 60s. Um, we're constantly, you know, rebuilding neural pathways. Our brains are supercomputers. Our bodies respond to our brains. So what we think is possible is possible. So, I mean, healing imbalances in the digestive tract, healing, you know, physical ailments. Uh, these are all, we have access to all of this. We can, you know, overcome health issues. We can reverse aging. We can eliminate toxins so that we eliminate imbalances that cause inflammation, that cause arthritis, that cause, you know, irritable bowel syndrome. People are living with low-grade chronic stress, living with low-grade chronic inflammation, and just walking around like, oh, I have, my doctor said I have arthritis. So, and then their solution is like, oh, I'm just going to take this pill once a month for the rest of my life. Like, no, 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 no. And they don't realize that food is not there to entertain you. It's not there to comfort you. It's actually fueling your cells. So I want people to have basic, basic knowledge that nutrition is actually the building block of our cells, our organ tissue, that you're physically, like your organs, the thing that keep you alive. And then sure, make it taste great and entertain yourself with it. Like I can do that too. And that's the, that's the art part of it. Right. Right. So, but I know that people are not out there like teach me to be healthy. Nobody wants to be healthy. What people want is like an Instagram picture of a really pretty bowl with colorful, you know what I mean? Colorful food in it. And to be like, <laughs> oh, look what I made this gorgeous, beautiful Instagram worthy picture. Like, Hey, TikTok, like look at my bowl. So <laughs> It's actually funny because I did a bunch of um, interviews with folks who really do want to take this course and learn. And they were like, oh, I mean, if I get healthy as a bonus, that's cool. But like, I really just want to learn how to make that pretty bowl. Like, over, <laughs> and over and I was like, okay. <laughs> you're telling me the mind of the consumer is like triggered by like looking, looking a certain way, 
And that's more important to you than actually feeling good. Well, I think those bowls have this, this allure to them, right? Yeah. Like you see one of those bowls and you're like, oh, it looks well balanced. It looks pretty. So there must be, there must be the magic silver bullet in that bowl. Right. I'm, I'm sure I'll feel better after I eat that bowl. And but I'm so, is, you know, I'm guilty of clicking that link. You know, I'm like, oh, I want that bowl. <laughs> Give me the recipe, please. Yeah. So will you be sharing recipes? And what about all the food prep that goes into that bowl? Oh, like, oh yeah. Me, so that's the, the thing. I wish I did my food prep on Sundays or what have okay. you. That's why you should take my class. Okay. So mindset, macrobiotics, and then the entire first module is preparing like making sure that your kitchen space is set up and really like cleaned out from the crap that is just like not good for you and that you shouldn't have in your cupboard anymore. You should just toss and filled with things that you want to be adding in that are like adding value so that, I mean, you might not realize like what it, what it will do for your meal to add some cumin, like what nutritional value you're getting from spices and fresh herbs and dressings and salads and, uh, you know, sauces and marinades and things that can make your food taste absolutely delicious. Mm-hmm. But if you just have it made and in the fridge, you know, and then we'll do live Zoom sessions together where we actually do the prep yeah. together. So think about it this way. You're like, oh, I'm dreading. Let's say an obstacle for you is the time invested in the meal prep. You just can't get yourself to think that that's going to be fun or interesting. But would you come to a live Zoom party in the kitchen where you have all your tools and your Tupperware and you've ordered all your food and you're ready to do it? And then for an hour or two, we're hanging out. We got the tunes cranked, but we are like getting through our prep. And now your fridge is food meal prepped for the next four days. You're done with your prep. You're done with your prep. You're not chopping any more garlic. You've got enough for all the meals that you're making that week. Because that's the thing. Once you do that for one meal, if you have to do it again, like in two hours, when is the kitchen ever clean? Like when, no, when I mean, is the end point? So that's so. where the, you know, years of running a, a food-based business comes in. Like you, you know, when you are trying to make a profit, everything, time is money, right? So for mm. me, I was driven to learn these, you know, shortcuts because I was trying to make money. And so we would never, I mean, everything, it's like a conveyor belt. It's like in a factory. If you work in a factory, people have their one task that they just do over and over and over again. So they get really good at it and they, they save a ton of time because they're not switching from one task to another. So, you know, one person's job is just to sit there and do all the prep on the, you know, peeling the cucumbers or chopping the apples or whatever for the juice bar. And that takes hours and hours, but it saves a lot of time and money if one person just does that one task and focuses on it. So when you do all of your meal prep in one setting, let's say for three or four days, now let's say you have your food, you know, prepared in little small Tupperware containers ready to go. And then of course, I'm going to teach specific recipes and we'll do some live cooking classes together as a part of the course. Um, I think that's kind of going to be the the clinch pin, right? Is like anybody could learn, you know, you can grab a recipe for free off the internet, but the accountability to show up and actually make the food, do all the prep, you know, the accountability to like share your wins with a group of people who are also learning these basic things. And then you will get the benefit of tasting that food that you ate and feeling that food in your body and, mm-hmm. and being like, ah, this tastes so good. And holy cow, I feel really like I have a burst of energy. I'm actually feeling the, the profound benefit of eating energy efficient, robust, nutrient rich foods, as opposed to foods that like rob you of those things, right? Some foods we eat are actually like, you know, having a negative impact on our health and wellness. So, you know, if you're 
tired of feeling sluggish and, you know, dragged down and constantly in a little you know, low level aches and pains or constantly have like a little nagging headache. And all that stuff can be impacted by your, your health and your diet and your nutrition. Mm, like turmeric. Is turmeric one of these? I feel like that really hit its heyday in 2019. And yeah, it's, it's one of the most highly anti-inflammatory foods on the planet. I yeah. recommend having it in every single day in something that you eat. So how do people sign up for the art and science of the healthy bowl? Is it open for registration? It's not open yet. I'm going to do some coaching, some free coaching in January. I'm going to do some free webinars and just kind of like open up the doors to meet me as a, an educator and a coach. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's going to be the most effective way to do this because, you know, I want people to understand the value that I will bring to this course. And there's going to be two ways you can experience it. You can do independent studies. So if you are a person who is like, I run a, you know, a, a busy business and I have three kids and I, and I have to walk my dog and I don't have time to, you know, be in this program. You can download the modules, learn all of the lessons on your own time, like self-study, and then you can show up for just the live Zooms. Hmm. So you will have the flexibility of being able to participate in the fun. We're all getting together as a group and doing this work, hmm. but you can also learn everything on your own time, you know, in your own way. And so I'll host some, some live coaching in January and anyone that comes to that will be invited to register. Um, so I have a website, it's deborahcsmith.com. And there's information on my website about, you know, my one-on-one -on -one coaching program and the other courses that I teach. And um, yeah, that's going to be the easiest way to find out more about it. Great. Well, I'm definitely interested because if I could get the food prep down, then I think my whole week would be a smoother endeavor. Yeah, 100%. You would benefit from it for sure. I'd love to have you in there. <laughs> well, and I'm excited for these free offerings too. I love free stuff. <laughs> so yeah, so DebraCSmith.com and and really thank you so much for joining us today. I really loved learning all about your background and movement and and you know as we say goodbye, what would you say in terms of your transformation when it comes to your self-image and your body image in relation to your identity at that intersection. Where are you at right now? I think, well, I'm in a really good place personally right now. I have a lot of self-love that I've cultivated over the years. Um, I think a big piece of, you know, my body came into more balance when I did start addressing nutrition. So I toned up and slimmed down in a way. And really, I mean, I'm, I'm 47. This has only been in the last five years. Like this isn't, I, I feel like I'm in good flow um, because I'm actually applying all of these, these ideas to my everyday life. And when you're in a really healthy practice, you really do get to reap the benefits of, of feeling comfortable in the body that you're in. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling aligned and grateful for, you know, a healthy flow of energy. I also do a lot of like if I feel blocked or if I feel, you know, whether it be like, let's say I just have like a tight lower back or neck and shoulders from sitting at a computer all day or, or sometimes it's emotional. Like I'm just, I'm up against some kind of really stubborn emotional mental wall and I just cannot, you know, break through that and I'm, I'm frustrated or I'm just having a crappy day or whatever. I will resort to turning off the supercomputer, turning off the like, you know, overthinking aspect of the human being and, and getting into lizard brain and just like, I will crank up some dance music. I love to listen to house music, just like 
like, like really, I'll go for the simple like techno dance house track. Although I do, I love my Afrobeat as well. Um, and just shut the door, turn the phone off and move freely in my room and just dance around the space and kind of reconnect to that. You know what? All the stuff that I think matters doesn't matter. I'm alive. I'm in this body. I have energy to move around the room. It doesn't, there's nobody watching. I'm, it's just about letting go of whatever is like dragging me down. And I, I always feel better. I mean, 20 minutes into that process, I'm like, what was I worried about? What was I thinking about? What was I stuck on? Like, and it <laughs> loosens up my muscles. So if I'm having physical tension or stress or even a headache, a lot of times dancing will really bring me back into that sort of like ever evolving self, you know, in terms of identity. It's like, yeah, I think I'm out there doing important things in the world. And of course I want to have an impact and be useful and like, you know, be successful and all that stuff. But, you know, in terms of like what's really good and what's healthy, just the fact that we exist here and we've had this opportunity to be in a body, you know, that in and of itself um, can and should be a joyful experience. So. Yeah. And it's really up to us each moment, you know, in terms of our identity is a choice. And I'm a big fan of supporting each human's right to choose. So thank you so much, Deborah, for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. I love hearing all about your own practices because then it inspires me. I want to put those practices into place in my own life. I really have enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right. Well, if you would like to find out more about Deborah's offerings, go to DebraCSmith.com. And that was today's episode of Movement, the Science of the Self. Hey, thank you for tuning into the show and listening. If you're interested in understanding how your body moves, Pongo Power offers a complimentary fitness assessment and goal-setting session. This 55-minute appointment is completely free, and you can do it through the magic of Zoom in the comfort of your own home. Just book online by heading over to freefitnessassessment.pongopower.com. I've been a personal trainer for 20 years, and I've helped hundreds of humans to gain true physical and mental strength. You can learn more about our team of personal trainers on our website, pongopower.com. When we learn how to exercise safely and effectively, we experience true freedom. On Movement, the Science of the Self, we provide you with the inspiration you need to move your body as you cultivate your own sense of identity. In joining the conversation about how we identify ourselves, Pongo Power is committed to the empowerment of each individual's right to choose. Now go out there and get some movement. <laughs>